Welcome to Slam Radio Series XM Channel 145, and you're listening to Thunder Goals Season 2, dog. Here we go. This is it. Um, This is podcast number two of Thunder Goal. And honestly, I thought we were going to do something different, like we get to choose something else, but I guess we have to stick to the subject. So here's more soccer talk for you, or football for my English fans, my London England fans. They call it football. All right. Anyways, we'll have three segments. And in this segment, I'm going to talk about the Ballon d'Or. The Ballon d'Or is an annual football award presented by French news magazines France Football that is one of the oldest and generally regarded as the most prestigious individual award for football players. Is It's been awarded since... Like nineteen fifty, the 1950s, and between 2010 and 2015, an agreement was made with FIFA, and the award was temporarily merged with the FIFA World Player of the Year Award, which was founded in the 90s, I believe. And known as the FIFA Ballon d'Or, the partnership ended in 2016, and the award reverted to the Ballon d'Or. While FIFA also reverted its own separate annual award, the Best FIFA Men's Player Award. It's I the Ballon d'Or is the best reward you can get for an individual person, but what's it called? For a team, obviously, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be Europe's best team award, which is like the UEFA Champions League. But for a player itself it's gonna be the Ballon d'Or. Now obviously the current holder for the most Ballon d'Ors is Lionel Messi which he's won six awards and the most nominations is Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo which they held 12 times each. They've both been nominated 12 times each. Now for the 2021 Ballon d'Or finalists there are a total of 30 finalists, with many of the big names you expect to see there. In recent months, there's been a campaign for Chelsea midfielders like Jorginho and Agolin Kate to win the award given the role they play for Chelsea since they won the UEFA Champions League last year. Jorginho was also a cog in the um, Italy team that won the Euro 2021. Cog is um, an essential player. Messi was the last was the last player to win the, this award in 2019 for the for a record sixth time, like I just mentioned. Messi and his internal rival Ronaldo have shared 11 of the last 12 Ballon d'Ors between them, with the Real Madrid midfielder Luka Modric the only man to have broken the dual poly in 2018. <clears throat> now, not something that nobody really talks about that much is the women's Ballon d'Or. The, the nominees for the women's Ballon d'Or is a total of 20, including Sam Kerr, Pernille Hader, or Harder, I should mean, I should say. I'm not good at pronouncing names, I'm sorry. And Vivienne Miedema. They, well, they all made the list. That, the last winner, oh my God, the last winner was Megan Rapono. I'm pretty sure is how you say her name. And she won that in 2019. If you haven't noticed, I'm pretty sure in 2020, there was no award ceremony. 
Okay, I'm pretty sure you can guess why. But Megan Rapone, she wasn't among the final candidates. Mewis was the only American nominee. Alexia Putellas, who won this year's UEFA FIFA's Ballon d'Or Player of the Year award, is on the list, as well as three major contributors for Canada's Olympic gold medals. I'm talking very, uh, let's see, not very organized, because I'm doing this at the top of my head. Like, I, I don't have a lot, a lot of things on my notes, so I'm saying this off the top of my head right now, so... I might be stuttering or I might be rushing my words a lot, but that's just the way I talk. I'm sorry. Now, I want to predict the future Ballon d'Or winners. Sure, there's a chance that Ronaldo and Messi will collect another title each, but putting a finger on who will win the Ballon d'Or when their duopoly is broken for good is a difficult challenge. So... Leave your footballing argument at the door and swap it for your nearest crystal ball because I'm going to get really speculative. And my predictions for each year are up until 2029. So, for 2022, I believe Mbappe will win the award. In second place will be Ronaldo and in third place will be Messi. World Cup year. Such is the strength of France's current generation that we're backing them into a, to retain a title, becoming the first team since Brazil in 1962 to do so with Mbappe as their star man. The winger will be playing for Real Madrid at this point, and his performances in Quartar will be enough to earn him the golden ball. And as long as the long-weighted Ballon d'Or that everybody has tipped him for, he really is a true talent. And his future is really bright. I really have high hopes for him. And as a Real Madrid fan, I really do hope that he comes to Real Madrid. This will also mark Ronaldo's last appearance in the podium after bowing out of Portugal duties with five goals at the World Cup and seeing one final increase in his goal in his goals with Manchester United. Obviously, this is just a prediction. I'm not saying this is what's happening, that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying this is what I think will happen. It's a very bold prediction. There will be more heartbreak for Messi as he crashes out of the the quarterfinals. With a Copa America victory, his quartar performance won't be as good. But another another year has passed, and I think in the 2023, Messi is going to win the Ballon d'Or. And in second place is going to be Mbappe. And in third place... You may think it's Ronaldo, but no. It's Erling Haaland. Yeah, I'm thinking bold with this one. I'm predicting that Messi is going to win the, his eighth Ballon d'Or at the age of 36. Wait, that's eighth? No, I meant seventh because he's not going to win this year's, not going to win this next year's, but before he retires, the 2023, he's going to win it. At the age of 36, before dramatically announcing his retirement, He'll, he'll, he'll win this Ballon d'Or, his seventh one. Having bowed out of international football after the World Cup since he lost, and uh, he's going to pull the same move he did last time. If he loses this, he, he's just going gonna to stop international football. Yeah, that's just about it. Now for 20, 2024, it's going to be Kylian Mbappe again. And in second place, Holland. Third place, Oblak. For the 2025, Holland, 
And then second place, Martin Odegaard. He's currently playing at Arsenal, which is a really stinky team right now, but that's all right. He'll make his mark. And in third place, Mbappe. That's it for this segment. And the next segment, I don't really remember what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be a good one. I'll be back. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungo by Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information like your social security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. Hey man, if, look, if they pick up Tuanega Manuel Apolo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tuanega Manuel Apolo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tuanega Manuel Apolo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tuanega Manuel Apolo. Tunga Vailoa. Tuanega Manuel Apolo. Tunga Vailoa. Tuanega Manuel Apolo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Wash your hands, avoid sick people, and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Slam Radio has brought so much positivity into my life that allows so many young people to have a voice. I'm very thankful for this opportunity at Slam Radio. Not a lot of people get to say that they worked on the first radio station run inside a high school. I've learned so much from Frank the Tank. I've learned so much from Danny, from The Amigo. I've learned so much from them and I thank them so much and it means a lot to me. Slam Radio is a community. It just gives you opportunity. They give you opportunities that not many schools have. The people here are just great. Someone always has your back no matter what. It is definitely a place to leave your egos and your insecurities behind and just be yourself and all become one. I'm so thankful for everybody here at Slam Radio and I'm thankful for this wonderful opportunity that I've been given to jumpstart my career. You are listening to Slam Radio on Sirius XM 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Welcome back to Thunder Go on Slam Radio, Sirius XM channel 145. And this is my second attempt at my second segment because, sadly, I lost my original segment. But we're in this segment, we're going to talk about transfer rumors and how those transfers can affect other different teams. So, the first transfer rumor is Erling Haaland. 
And this is Lewandowski talking about Erling Haaland. Lewandowski, the Polish striker, is scoring at a crazy pace. Again, as usual. And looks very dominant in in the... Um, what's that league called? Ooh, what's that league called? I remembered what the league was called. It was It's Bundesliga. Yeah, he plays for Bayern Munich and he's, car- he's scoring at a crazy pace in the Bundesliga league. Lewandowski, though, has heard rumors specifically. The Poland international has heard that Bayern Munich could potentially be kicking the tires and potentially move for Borussia Dortmund. Erling Haaland. What I'm saying is that Bayern Munich might try to get Erling Haaland, even though I don't think it's a possibility because they always steal Borussia Dortmund's players. I don't think that's going to happen. Lewandowski knows Haaland is an immense talent and even acknowledged that the youngster should draw interest from a lot of clubs. However, Lewandowski is only concerned about himself. He quotes, I'm Lewandowski, and I'm, looking, I'm only looking at myself. He's a young player, of course, but I'm 12 years older, said Lewandowski. In short... Lewandowski doesn't really care about the transfer rumors about Ireland Haaland. But, in my opinion, Haaland is definitely going to have to move to another club if he wants to, you know, advance his skill set. I hope he joins Real Madrid because obviously that's my favorite team. So, if he does join Real Madrid alongside Mbappe, then might as well just give us the Champions League right then and there. In other news, Eden Hazard wants to stay at Real Madrid and will not leave in January. The Real Madrid uh, manager, Carlos Ancelotti, may have opened the exit door for Hazard, but Hazard has no intentions of stepping through them. And according to Marsa, he's still very, he's hoping to make things work with his dream club because recently, well, not recently, it's been like, two seasons I'm pretty sure he's been injured most of the time and he hasn't been able to make his mark like he has in Chelsea so so Hazard obviously isn't entirely happy of his current situation but he's not willing to give up just yet and of course if the situation doesn't improve he can always choose to leave next summer and if he does leave I'm pretty sure he's just gonna go back to Chelsea Maybe back in his prime form, maybe not as good, but still at least decent because right now he's doing nothing at Real Madrid. They, like absolutely nothing. Like even even the bench players are doing a whole lot more. Vinicius is actually stepping up to the to the uh, to the position. He's been doing amazing, and so has Benzema. Right now, honestly, all we need is a right winger because Bale. God, I forgot about Bale. So Mbappe, if Mbappe does join Real Madrid, he could move to the striker position. And Vasquez can move to the right wing. And Vinicius and Mbappe, two youngsters who are doing amazing. It's a bright future for Real Madrid if this deal does happen with Mbappe. Now, I want to talk about my rival club. Well, my favorite team's rival club, FC Barcelona. If Barcelona, they're broke. They can't buy anybody. They're useless. But it's rumored that the former midfielder, um, Xavi, 
he's linked with um, eventually taking over the manager position in the Catalonia. The icon hasn't yet been appointed, but he's already writing his uh, transfer wishes. Xavi, he's told people close to him that he's a huge fan of Bayern Munich's winger, Kingsley Coman. And I personally love him too. I use him all the time in FIFA. Xavi, he's a manager, by the way. He's already a manager in the team, so he knows what he's doing. Hopefully. Well, not hopefully. I hate that team. But Xavi usually plays a 4-3-3 system and admires wingers who can both go inside and outside. Xavi is... um, he, he, he's an admirer of classic wingers who create havoc when they attack. Coleman can also use his speed to receive balls into space, which also suits his system, Xavi's system. The only problem that Barcelona is facing, like I said, is money. They're dead broke. That's why they had to sell Messi, because they couldn't afford his fines. Even though he offered to lower his wages, it still was not enough. They're basically in debt. Although Coleman might be a bargain for them if they manage to find the necessary funds, since his contract is running out in 2023, and the club is reportedly looking to sell the Frenchman next summer. So it might work for them. It might not, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. Now back to my favorite team, Real Madrid. But... It's not specifically Real Madrid. It's about somebody else wanting to join Real Madrid. Napoli's center back, oh God, how do you say his name? Khalidou Koulibaly. His name is too complicated. I'm pretty sure he's French. It sounds French. If I'm wrong, then ignore what I just said. He named Real Madrid as one of the three teams he would leave. He would leave for. He's 30 years old, and he asked. Uh, about the possibility of ever leaving to join Juventus. He said, me at Juventus? Are you crazy? I would, no go, I would never go and play for another Italian club. He also followed up with, if I decided to leave Napoli, I would only do it for two, maximum three clubs in the world. I'm talking about Guardiola's Manchester City, Real Madrid, and Barcelona at the most. He also said, but believe me, I will never go to Juventus. I could not betray the Napoli fans. From these words, you can understand the value of the man, Koulibaly. End quote. He, Koulibaly has been in Napoli since joining them from the Belgian Pro League in 2014. I almost said 2004, but it's 2014. Since then, he's been regarded as one of the top defenders in the world. And if he joins Real Madrid... That would be a good replacement for, uh, what's his name, Mataoli? I don't know, I forgot his name, but he's young. But right now we need a top-tier defender since we lost Sergio Ramos and Varane. But now we have Alaba, so imagine him with Koulibaly. That would be terrifying. I'm going to end this segment here because I have to cut down time since I went overboard with other segments. So... We'll be back on Thundergo on Slam Radio Series XM channel 145. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. Slam Radio Series XM channel 145. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? 
text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Amanda, your thoughts? So this is my first ever bowl of cereal with milk. So it's kind of an eye-opening experience. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's been the big joke. You didn't know that? You should have muted. I thought that. you were kidding me. No, I seriously have never had a bowl of milk and cereal. I'm your daughter. How, I'm, I'm your daughter. My <laughs> I'm your daughter. Yes, Frank. Yes. yes! <laughs> That's a bite. That's a bite. And coincidentally, we're eating cereal. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Allison is perfect. I mean, she'd never tell you that. She's perfect. Allison, wait. Are you texting and driving? Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall. It's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What are you telling? You're telling them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. you, you got to take those losses. you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. And we're back. <laughs> with Thunderco on Series XM channel 145 Slam Radio. And in this final segment, I want to talk about tactics and formations and how they've changed over the years. Obviously, soccer is an ever-growing sport that is forever changing, but in the early days of, of soccer slash football, there were... Formations were an altogether different beast to the ones that we know today, where an all-out attack formation was very much in order. It, w- it was the meta back in the day, and it wasn't unusual to see teams line up as a 2-2-6 or a 1-2-7. As the game became more professionalized, the first proper formations began to emerge. Preston won the English league title playing a 2-3-5 pyramid formation, which included a center mid that provides as a pivot for attacking and defending. They finished the season unbeaten and won the FA Cup, which made them the original Invincibles. Chapman, the, um, the manager for the unbeaten team that I just mentioned, thought of the next great tactical shift. What he did was realize that you really didn't need two you, you really didn't need three players. All you needed was two between the attacker and the goal, which made it easier to score. Chapman made the incredibly d- defensive move of moving two of the five attackers in the pyramid and adding a third defender or fo- fullback, created the WM formation that won Arsenal five league titles. Of course, after these results, un- other managers would begin to tweak their formations. 
one of these managers would be the Hungarian national team manager, which is probably perhaps the most striking example of successful tactical innovations. Still using a high number of attackers, they, instead of just having a typical formation, the greatest, the greatest trick was swapping the strikers around to trick the defender. They favored a 3-2-1-4 formation and achieved, and they achieved a notable high-scoring victories. But I think you get the idea. Back then, the formations were a little bit wild, and I think it's time to talk about the modern-day formations slash tactics. I say slash tactics, but I mainly just been talking about formations. But you get the idea. We'll get to tactics in a little bit, because tactics obviously play a big factor in these formations. So, turning our attention to the modern day, you don't get anything more British than the good old 4-4-2. Sir Alex Ferguson has been a long proponent of this formation that favors two out and out strikers and a traditional chalk-on-your-boots style wingers. I think it's fair to say that this formation is dying out. Even that Sir Alex Ferguson is turning his back on it as a retired manager. This probably has to do with the fact that there's not a lot of target men and there's a severe lack of classic number sevens and numbers number elevens. A player like Antonio Valencia and Jean Carew is a dying breed and the decline of the 4-4-2 is a major reason why. The next formation is the 4-5-1. The 4-5-1, perhaps mainly used by Jose Mourinho and Chelsea. This is a football analyzing on how to stay compact and grind out <laughs> one of victories. Most 4-5-1s incorporate a midfield destroyer in the role of Cloud McKee. God, I, I don't know how to say his name. It's like Makilili. It's like three E's in his name, dog. It's, it's wild. And under Mourinho. The Frenchman... Claude Makilili <laughs> was complemented perfectly by Michael Eshin and Frank Lampard. This formation is ideally, ideally set up for counterattacks. The destroyer slash midfielder is tasked to winning the ball and then feeding the ball to his colleagues quickly. The fullbacks remain cautious, and almost all of the attacking work is, bun- is done by three to four players. Now, to talk about one of my personal favorite formations, this is the 4-3-3. But what's the difference between 4-3-3 and 4-5-1? On paper, there's not much of a difference. But the changes are apparent in the style of play utilized despite the same basic shape. The 4-3-3 is generally recognized as a shift away from counterattacking football. Paulo Bento's Euro 2012 Portugal side are perfect examples of this modern 4-3-3. And there's a little bit of a cut here because there's been a loud noise made by a colleague of mine, Frank. But moving on, (laughs) I'm going to keep that in there because I don't know. I just find that funny because you could hear his loud noise in the background. But... Anyways, the 4-3-3. In contrast to Jose Mourinho's template, the fullbacks in the 4-3-3 push forward. Put they, the fullbacks push forward with full license. 
while there's no designated midfield destroyer, there is more of a sitter. The midfield trio, when off the ball, they create space. The wingers are more wide forwards than anything else, suited like the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, for example. Now, the last formation I'm going to talk about before I move on to tactics is the 4-4-2 diamond. The 4-4-2 diamond is a formation that's received a fair amount of attention throughout the few months. Most recently, Manchester United used it to come back Newcastle's dominant midfield pairing of Chiek Tiote and Johan Caballe. While, God, you know, these names are so hard to say, it's crazy. Uh, Prandelli used it in Italy during the 2012 Euros. The diamond in midfield is built to control the center of the park and dictate the tempo of the game. So if we want to move slow-paced ball movement, then that's when the midfield comes in. The midfield is basically in control of the tempo, of how everything works. While the player at the base of the point of the diamond can have different roles in different systems. The two, the two tro- <laughs> the two true central midfielders often shuttle up and close down the lane. This allows significant space for fullbacks to bomb forward, and both AC Milan have used this system to great effect in the last decade. It seems that I've run out of time to talk about my second part of this podcast, not podcast, this segment, which was tactics, and I don't want to overdo it because my last segment, my first segment, was much longer than usual. So, if you did manage to make it at the end of this podcast, I applaud you, and I'm surprised you did. But I also want to thank you for listening. This has been Thunder Goal on Slam Radio, Series XM, Channel 145.